This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter. When some were speaking about the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for all these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone is going to be left standing with another. All will be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be? What, what will the sign that this is about to take place be? And Jesus said, Beware that you are not led astray. Many will come in my name and say, I'm he, and the time is near. Don't go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, don't be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. And then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues. There'll be dreadful portents and signs from heaven. But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. And they will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. And you'll be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I'll give you the words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents and siblings, by relatives, by friends, and they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus. Amen. Little league coach is trying to get his his team out of a four-game slump, and he's going with the old tried-and-true as-if strategy. So he he tells his team, he said before the game, he says, "Just, just think when you get up to bat that the last three times you went up to bat, you hit a home run. Feeling better, aren't you? And one little guy says, well, coach, what if they change pitchers? Point blank, these are apocalyptic texts. They're about the end of the world. And there are a lot of people feeling that way right now. We real candid about this. Would have been exactly the opposite. Same feelings would have been happening. Sky is falling. And truthfully, you know, the world is a mess. We're not exactly helping it. Famines, which don't have to lead to starvation, but often do, and earthquakes and hurricanes, which happen everywhere, but do more damage among the poor than elsewhere. Plagues and wars and environmental abuse. Tensions between rich and poor. Between black, brown, yellow, pink, white between even the children of Abraham, them and us, them and us, them and us. Kids come to school hungry in this neighborhood. 
Whole communities are without drinkable water all over the world. People look for work, are willing to work, but it ain't working for them. And depending on where you sit right now, what side of the flood you're on, what side of the fence you're on, what side of the aisle you're on, what side of the election you're on, might be pretty hard to believe that there's a loving and gracious God right now. That was the point of our prayer gathering on Wednesday night. I want to thank you for coming. Lots of people came just to sit still for a while, to hide behind the ancient liturgy. Pray for those who have authority over us. It's very, very meaningful. Thank you. So what I, what I wanted to say in this intro is to say that I get it. I, the sky is falling, and if I could do it from these readings, I swear to you, I would do it. This is it. The world is coming to an end. So let's instead just stand here in front of Jesus, just like those disciples did in that reading from Luke, and let's ask Jesus, what's going on here? Is this it? Is this it? Now, I'm not a prophet. I think there is a prophetic function to the role of pastors. In fact, I think every pastor is called to be both a priest and a chaplain and a prophet. But I don't know the future. I don't have any revelation about the future. The only thing I know about the future is that it's in God's hands, the hands of a loving God. And even right now, God is calling all people into that future. And in some other places, rather emphatically, Jesus says that nobody, nobody knows the day or the hour. Only God knows that, which means, and let me make sure you hear this, if you think you know when the end is coming, the very fact that you think you know means that you don't know. And the biggest thing that stops me from shouting the sky is falling is right here in this reading from Luke. Uh, It's in those verses where Jesus makes clear that before the great apocalyptic end of life as we know it, we who bear the name of Jesus, we Christians who are marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. We did that four times last week at 11.15 in our baptism. We are going to be arrested and persecuted because of our faithfulness to the good news of God's love for the world in Jesus. That is to say that before the end of the world, you and I are going to be given a chance to testify to the extravagant grace, the radical inclusion, the relentless compassion, the love of God for the whole world. We're going to be given an opportunity to testify by putting our lives, our livelihoods, our well-being on the line. And that's some tough stuff to talk about. Before the end of the world comes, I am going to be asked to testify to the truth of the good news of God. That because each person is infinite value to God, that they are infinite value to me as well. That wealth is not God's reward for righteousness or good behavior, and punishment is not poverty. That God's most particular concern throughout the history of Scripture is for the poor and the hurting. That getting revenge on a personal or on a national level, is wrong. And that I am called to turn the other cheek and to get fitted for my own cross. And I, I should expect some trouble for testifying to that. I want to own that. I know all of that. And I am tempted 
in the face of chaos and the pain of the last months, I'm tempted to go home, lock the doors, and exercise with television and a martini, and just call it quits. Little girl sitting on her dad's lap, they're watching uh, Peter Pan, animated version, which, you know, it's a classic story, but still got some little scary parts in the middle of that. And you got Captain Hook out there on the plank, and I got these alligators, and he's suddenly wondering if this was a good idea to be watching this together. And so he says to his daughter, uh, are you okay? Are you afraid? And she looks up and he says, well, daddy, I know how it ends. I've heard this attributed to everyone, honestly. Thomas Aquinas to the Dalai Lama. But the classic teaching of when asked if the world was going to come to an end tomorrow, what would you do today? Reportedly, Martin Luther said, I would continue to plant trees. So yes, it's wide open now. There is such a thing as hungry people. There is such a thing as the rural poor and the urban poor. And there's such a thing as collateral damage. There's such a thing as unemployed and unregistered aliens. But all of those depend on what words you use from them. They're just code words. And every issue that divides us right now sounds a little different when it's not a problem or a soundbite or a political opponent, when it's a beloved child of God, a brother or a sister, who's hungry, who's sick, who's out of work, who's digging their children out of the bombed rubble of their neighborhood who can't afford to leave their neighborhood and sleep on the floor because they're worried about the bullets flying through the windows. I need to plant some trees. And I need to plant them not in my yard. It's tempting, it's tempting. It's tempting to hold up, to think that nothing can be done. The problems in this world, they're just too big, they're too systemic. I'm just one pastor, I'm just one person. I'm just one church. And besides, you know, the sky's falling anyway. The end of the world's around the corner. That's why I make sure that you get it. We, we, we do both of these things at Lord of Life Church. We do both of them. We, we do acts of mercy, acts of kindness, but we also do justice. We fill buddy bags, thousands of them, I can proudly say now. We serve Thanksgiving in communities where people have nothing except a crock pot and a microwave to cook and have to go six miles on a bus to get their groceries. We, we build these nutritious recipes and teach other people how to serve them because we know that eating nothing but junk is a time bomb. We visit in nursing homes and in prisons and at universities. We walk alongside the hurting and the hungry. We do all of that. Those are acts of mercy. But we also, in this church, we do acts of justice. We're part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America that has a national and international advocacy presence. We speak out against the treatment of Palestinians in Israel, about Christians and Jews in Syria. We confront the systemic racism of which much of this country's wealth was built and upon which it still exists. And we walk in a pride parade proudly. We participate in bread. We identify what are those things that we can change in this system and let's do it. And we monitor the greenness of the world and of this building and of this ministry in deference to the poor who live downstream from us and our grandchildren who come after us. We do both of those things. We do mercy and we do justice. We do justice and and we do mercy. But they're very hard to do. They're extremely hard to do without ruffling feathers. Both of them might even look impossible if the goal is not to ruffle feathers, especially if you think you have to. You have to change everything in the world. But that's not what we're called to do. Here's what we're called to do. 
We're called to offer a glass of cold water to somebody who's thirsty. We're called to offer a kind and a welcoming word. We're kind called to give our shirt when somebody doesn't have one, or even our coat. We're called to speak up when something's wrong and not right. Without all those little things, uh, which in fact can lead to persecution, there aren't going to be any big changes. And because we know how it ends, not when, but how it ends, because we know how it ends with God calling and gathering all of us together around a great banquet table where we eat some really good fat things and drink good wine, because we know how it ends, we do the little things right now. We do them with the hope for tomorrow. We do them even if we know the world ends tomorrow. So what would happen if every day before you open the door of the place of your employment or on your way home before you open the door to your home or before you open the door into this church or to the grocery store, what would happen if you would pause for just a brief moment to ask God, would you please connect me to one person to whom I can be the instrument of God's grace right now? What if every one of us today turned the other cheek, asked God to make us witnesses of grace to just one other person, walked out of the doors of this church and just did that? I've been seeing all these great little things on Facebook, and I love them, don't you want to hear this wrong? 30 days of Thanksgiving, what a, well, that's a great discipline, attitude of gratitude, I get that. Being thankful is very, very important, unless... Unless you're like the rich man in the parable of Jesus, who does nothing except give thanks. Look at all the wonderful things I have to be thankful, Lord. Look at my big barn. I'm going to eat, drink, and be thankfully happy. What if instead you spent 30 days not being grateful, but grateful and graceful to just one person every day? Because you think that the world's a mess? because you don't know what's happening, because you know you're called to take up your cross and reach out to the world with the love of God in Christ Jesus, what if you reached out to just one hurting person every day for the next 30 days? Let me tell you something. I promise you, within 30 days, the world may not be the least bit different. Might be. But you'll be different. You'll be different. So take refuge, dear friends, in the living word of God. As the risen Christ said to his disciples on the day of resurrection, I say unto you, do not be afraid. Christ is risen from the dead. Don't be afraid. We don't have a clue when this world's going to end. The world's full of bad news, but it ain't going to stay that way. The love of God is eternal. So may God help us with our fears. May God comfort those who are suffering right now. May God find us worthy to suffer with them and for Jesus. And when we do, may God make us faithful in just little things every day. You know how this sermon ends. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen.